Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. Let's open up to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and stand for the reading of God's word. John 10, we'll read the first 10 verses. Says the word of the Lord, it is eternally true. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we... We thank you for your word. We pray that as we give our minds to what is inspired, what is divine, what is breathed forth from your very mouth, Lord, that you would give us attentive minds and ears. And not just attention, Father, we need humility We need humility to submit to your word, to believe your word, Father, because we're so proud. We're so proud and we we view the world through our own thoughts and our own mind and everything has to conform to what we believe is right. And yet, Father, what we hear here is inspired truth. And so, Father, give us humility, give give us hearts, minds, that long for the pure spiritual milk of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. All right, so we've gone into a new chapter of the Gospel of John. Finished up 9 into 10. But keep in mind that when we come to a new chapter that all... Of the chapter markings and verse markings are later editorial editions. Okay, it's not uh, those would not have been present in the manuscript. It would have been one long continuous, uh, just thickly you know words strung together smack dab into one another. But no numbers would be in there. Uh, There's nothing in our text this morning to indicate that Jesus' audience has changed at this point. 
Some commentators want to say that there's been a period of time and this comes later and it doesn't apply to what we went through last time. Um, I think it I think it I think it's a continuation of what uh, of chapter 9 into chapter 10. And so it's directed toward the Pharisees and other unbelieving Jews that were out to get Jesus. Right? And Jesus addresses, remember at the end, the blindness of the proud Pharisees who were denying the things that he was teaching. Then chapter 10 is again, it's a continuation of his jousting with the Pharisees. You see Jesus has Jesus has compassion on the people. Right? He looks out on the people and he he sees them and they're distressed and dispirited. And he they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so it is the Pharisees who have been heaping burdens upon the shoulders of the people. Right? They had been laying burdens on the people, even though those Pharisees are unwilling to even move those burdens with so much as a finger. Right? They place burdens on people, but won't move them themselves. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is, comes into the world and he's teaching the people that they have been misled by false shepherds. They've been misled. They've been mistaught. They've, been, they've not been taught of him. They have not been shown the glory of God. They've been taught to follow Pharisees who just want to be popular. And so he's going to point them to himself, who's the chief shepherd, right? He's going to point, he's going to redirect them to himself. But, but first, this point, we're all sheep. Let's start there. We're all sheep. We are all sheep under the authority of shepherds and under the authority of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. We're all sheep. But, but we're all sheep in this sense, too. We're all sheep in that we are led about by those to whom we give our trust. We give our trust to people, and then we're their sheep. We follow them where they take us. Oftentimes, we are um, sheep led by shepherds who do not care for our souls. There are all kinds of shepherds, right? N not many will care for your souls. Um, some rather care about their own exaltation and their own bank account. All right, you may be led by some shepherds who, who care about how you fit in to their schemes, their bank accounts, their egos. And so who are your shepherds? That's the first question to ask. Who are your shepherds? Who, if, you, if you do an assessment of your life right now, who is shepherding you? Well, whose voices do you listen to and follow? That's, that's your shepherds. Who do you listen to? Buy what they're saying and follow. Look back over your life. Who, who has been your shepherd? Who have been your shepherds? Has it been your father or your mother? Was it your father that was a shepherd to you? Some of you didn't have a father who shepherded you. 
right? He just lets you go down any depraved path your heart led you, right? Some, some of you had mothers who shepherded you. Has it been high school teachers or college professors? Some of us would point back to some significant things that a, a high school High school teacher said to us, and it stuck with us, and it was sort of a life lesson, and, and, and that was shepherding, right? And you were that high school teacher's sheep. College professors, the same way. Some impactful uh, class, some, uh, some seminar between classes, some interaction in, in the, the halls of the, the, the college and and uh, it changed your life. Has it been your friends? You know, do your friends shepherd you? If you have friends, they're shepherding you. I can guarantee it. Right? They shepherd you because they talk to you about things that, that they love and they're trying to get you to love those things. Right? Uh, that's a large part of, of friendship. Have you been shepherded by books? Right, we, we all have uh, books that we've been shepherded. Triple B has been a long list of shepherds that we've been uh, giving to you that uh, we would hope would shepherd you as sheep. Uh, those books, the voices of dead men and women who continue to speak in their writings. You know, I think back a, a long list of, of shepherds. Dostoevsky, bad shepherd. You know, Karl Marx, you know, did Car- is Karl Marx a shepherd of yours? So he's shepherding a lot of people today, though dead, right? There's, you know, uh, Ben Franklin, Martin Luther, U- he, Ulysses S. Grant, or if you prefer, Stonewall Jackson, Right? I mean, these, we, we read biographies because we want to hear what they said so we can imitate them and they become shepherds and we're sheep. Right? Thomas Jefferson. Or maybe it's Charles Darwin who's been your shepherd. Shortly after my conversion, this would be the summer of 1993, I was reading of a, a, a lot of a guy named Thomas Merton. No one here knows who Thomas Merton is. That's good. That's really good. Um, He was a Trappist monk, a social activist, and a religious syncretist. He he had a thing for Zen Buddhism. And so he was doing the monk thing from two cultural angles, you know. And he said things like this, For me to be a saint means to be myself. Therefore, the problem of sanctity and salvation is, in fact, the problem of finding out who I am and of discovering my true self. Now, the second sentence is better than the first. The first is terrible, right? For me to be a saint means to be myself. No, it, it, it certainly does not, right? says all of Scripture. And so... You know, that he was, I, had, I didn't have any discernment. I didn't know anything about this or that. And I liked the covers of the books, I think. And so I found them in Christian bookstores and I read probably six or seven 
of his books. And, um, and then shortly after that, it was, it was back into C.S. Lewis. And then shortly after that, I discovered the Puritans somehow. And finally, I had some good shepherds who didn't just flatter me. It didn't just tell me how great I was to find my true self. He said, your true self is depraved. You need Jesus, right? And that was wonderful. And so, you know, we, can, we go to books and we go to these, you know, we like to tell people, you know, what has influenced us in our books. But perhaps I'm giving all of us more credit than I should. Okay? I'd be somewhat pleased if great literature of the ages was our shepherd. And where am I going to go next? <laughs> I think it's probably more true that though these voices have been our shepherds, the talking heads at NPR. Right? Rush Limbaugh. It's for David. Tucker Carlson. Anderson Cooper. Right? These are our shepherds. We orient our day and our disposition around the headlines that these people give to us. We don't read the articles or listen to the rest. We just look at headlines and they shepherd us. What you fear today is what they told you to fear. Right? And they have no idea what's going to happen today or tomorrow. They don't have a clue. But they know how to scare you. They know how to shepherd you. They know how to get you to move. And you listen. But even that, that may be too high a mark for many of us. Right? I think... I think this is who our shepherds have been over the last few decades. Mark Zuckerberg. Okay? Random people we chat with when we're gaming online. The producers of the most intoxicating aspect of modern life, which is advertisements. They're intoxicating. They shepherd you. They hook you, right? They have a rod and a staff that come at you relentlessly every time you turn on any media. And all, every advertisement is a comprehensive worldview and a source of salvation. That's what every advertisement is. It's a comprehensive worldview and a salvation. Discord streamers have been our shepherds. TikTok video makers have been and are our shepherds. Right? Um, YouTube influencers are our shepherds. The, the, uh, the curated libraries of Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu are our shepherds. I 
we're shepherded by YouTube influencers and random people on social media feeds. It's so pathetic. We are pathetic. We're pathetic. You are pathetic. Let me make it pointed. Take myself out of it. Speak from up on high. You are pathetic. And I admit it, I am pathetic. Giving attention to random YouTube influencers and random people who make TikTok videos that you just flick, 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 flick a hundred times in one sitting. And then you go back a hundred times a day. Here's the problem. Those are shepherds. You are being shepherded. You are being catechized. You are being catechized in the world. You are being catechized by every one of those sources of information, right? And so, uh, think about how much we've consumed the messages of these ambitious people. Think about how much we've let them into our space. Think of the time we've given to them, right? When, when all of that is factored in, there is no way that we can call all of those things anything but shepherds. There are shepherds. Oh, YouTube influencer, thou art my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Our shepherds have not climbed over some physical wall into our fold. They've entered the fold through invisible electronic means and ubiquitous electronic devices that we always have with us. We have been the doorkeepers and we've left the, let the thief and the robber in through the front door. And get this, all of these shepherds see it as their goal to provide you with an abundant life. They want you to have the abundant life. They want you to have what they're showing you, which is always laughter and joy and riches and playful and good and expensive. They want you to have that abundant life. You know, at least the Pharisees had some knowledge of Moses. Our TikTok shepherds don't. TikTok shepherds. TikTok shepherds. TikTok shepherds. We are shepherded by TikTok shepherds. They're selling worldviews. They're selling you saviors. It's wonderful how a worldview and a savior can get to you in 4.3 seconds. It's all it takes. A 4.3 second video. I don't know, 5.5, whatever, however long the average one is. It's probably like 8 seconds. I don't know. All right. 
That was the spanking. Now let's, after you spank your child, you have to then minister to your child, right? You have to go and talk to them. And if you're being a good disciplinarian, right, you spank them. And then the hard part of the discipline is talking to them and, and putting them at ease and, and waiting for their hard heart to soften. So let's walk through the passage. Jesus begins with the double amen. So he's solemnly testifying of the truth of what he's about to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So he's telling an allegory. This is an allegory. Right? It's not a parable. It's an allegory, an extended metaphor that's going to reveal some spiritual truth. He's, he's talking about sheep because everybody there would be familiar with that kind of work in his culture. That's why he, he brings in that image. He puts the people's mind onto a flock of sheep in a fold. What is a, what is a sheep fold? Right? What is that? It's, well, it, it was many things, but generally speaking, it's a it's a, a structure, a roofless structure, an enclosure in an open field. It consisted of a wall made of rough stones and provided uh, a sturdy gate, right? Stones, one way in through the gate. Uh, sometimes they use caves for the same purpose. Sheep go in, they're protected. It's meant to be a place of, of, uh, of corralling and of safety. Right? Then a contrast comes in our text. Two different, kind, two different men enter into the fold. One man enters by climbing over the rock wall and, in, and, enter, you know, and another enters through uh, the door, through the gate. A break in the rocks that is used, you know, that is meant for that purpose of going in amongst the fold. Thieves and robbers don't go through the gate. It's guarded. It's a doorkeeper. They got to go in some other way, right? The shepherd, though, enters through that door. He's known to the guard, and it would be foolish for him to try to enter by climbing over the rocks when there's just a simple, natural way through the rocks, which is uh, opening the door and walking in. Jesus goes on with the allegory. To him, the shepherd of the sheep, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And so the shepherd is described this way. The shepherd is described as he's known to the doorkeeper who opens the door for him as he approaches. The shepherd calls his own sheep by what? By name. He knows his sheep. There's an intimate connection. He knows them. He knows their name. He calls them by their, their name. Third, the shepherd leads the sheep out of the fold. Likely, he's doing it. He's, he's, all of his actions are for their good. He's taking them to, to pasture. He's taking them to, to fill up their bellies with good food. And so he's leading them out. And once these sheep are out of the fold, where is the shepherd to be found? Up front. Front. He walks ahead, 
searching for danger, they follow along behind. Some cultures, the shepherd drives the sheep, right? But in this culture, apparently, the shepherds led the sheep. We could, uh, we could talk about that for a while. And then the sheep are also described here. The sheep do what? They hear the shepherd's voice. They know, they know when it's him. They know, they know the tone of his voice and his particular mannerisms and calls. The sheep follow the shepherd because they know that voice. So hearing it makes them comfortable. They go with the shepherd. The sheep will not do the same with a stranger. They, the sheep will not listen to the voice of a stranger. That sets them off. That makes them drive away from whoever that false shepherd may be. And they flee from him because they just don't recognize that, that voice. Now, again, we could get deeply wrapped up in trying to figure out just exactly what every part of the allegory represents. Jesus is the shepherd. The Pharisees clearly are the thieves and robbers. The fold is Israel, the church. But I think it's better to get, to, to get the big picture. The shepherd is intimately acquainted with his sheep and leads them. The sheep follow their shepherd because they know his voice. Jesus is clearly contrasting himself with the Pharisees, who are thieves and robbers that cause the sheep to scatter. Jesus, though, is the good shepherd. The Pharisees were the bad or false shepherds. The goal of Jesus is the good of the sheep. The end result of the thievery of the Pharisees is dispirited sheep, sick sheep. Again, don't forget the context. The Pharisees had excommunicated a man for demonstrating some kind of faith in Jesus. They did not excommunicate him for sin. Rather, they excommunicated him to match their own purposes. They had been scheming to kill Jesus for how long now? Several years? And anyone who, who put their faith in him, they cast out of the synagogue. Right? It had become a rule that they would cast them out. And the Pharisees had demonstrated that they were not committed to the sheep. The sheep of Christ heard his voice and followed him, and they also did not hear the Pharisees' voices and follow them. Remember what many marveled about Jesus? They marveled that he was one who taught them with authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. They heard him. They had no ears for the Pharisees. In other words, there were, there were some in Israel who recognized the coming of the shepherd and heard his voice. They recognized his voice and they followed him. The Pharisees, the ones who were, who were laying these heavy burdens on the people through their works righteousness schemes, did not understand the scripture which speaks about this shepherd. Right? They were experts in the Old Testament scriptures, they thought. Right? And, and is there any shepherd imagery in the Old Testament? Well, yeah. All right? The Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. Psalm 79, 13, So we, your people, and the sheep of your pasture will give thanks to you forever. 
Psalm 95, 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah and in the day of Massah in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my works. Ezekiel 34, I mean, Ezekiel 34 needs to be read, right? Ezekiel 34 is all about the religious leaders and shepherds and bad shepherds and bad sheep and good sheep and and all these things. But listen to this. Then the word of the Lord came to me, came to Ezekiel saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep so the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore. And I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord, behold, I will judge between one sheep and another, between the rams and the male goats. Is it too slight a thing for you that you should feed in the good pasture, that you should tread down with your feet the rest of your pastures? Or that you should drink of their clear waters, that you must foul the rest with your feet? As for my flock, they must eat what you tread down and with your feet and drink what you foul with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, 
Even I will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and with shoulder and thrust all of the weak with your horns until they have scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will deliver my flock and they will no longer be a prey. And I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate harmful beasts from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them in the places around my hill a blessing and I will cause showers to come down in their season. They will be showers of blessing. Also the tree of the field will yield its fruit and the earth will yield its increase and they will be secure on the land. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be a prey to the nations and the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely and no one will make them afraid. I will establish for them a renowned planting place and they will not again be victims of famine in the land and they will not endure the insults of the nations anymore. They will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, you are men and I am your God, declares the Lord God. And so you see in this that Jesus coming and talking about sheep is announcing everything in that passage is coming to pass. That one shepherd, that son of David is there shepherding his sheep, right? And he's, and he's laying this rebuke to those, those previous sheep who, who fed themselves and while they were feeding themselves defiled the food. And when they drank, they fouled up all the water so that those who drank after them had to drink mud, right? And that's what Jesus is saying here about these Pharisees, these, these false shepherds. Isaiah 40, get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. 700 years before Christ came, that prophecy had been waiting to be fulfilled and now it's being fulfilled as Jesus rebukes these false shepherds, points to himself. And so this was the clear testimony of scriptures that the Pharisees claimed to have studied. And what does it prove? It proves that they did not hear the voice of the good shepherd. So when the good shepherd came to gather his sheep to himself, they did not recognize him and follow him. They continued not listening to him as they, uh, 
as they had been doing as they read his word. They did not listen to it there in that manner either. In other, in other words, the Pharisees were bad sheep because they didn't follow the shepherd. They're bad sheep. Not only did they not recognize his voice, but they wanted to kill him for saying the things he said. Bad sheep are often wolves merely in sheep's clothing. That's what the Pharisees are. They claim righteousness, but they're wolves. And those who recognize Jesus rejected the Pharisees. Isn't that interesting, right? There are people coming to Christ. And in coming to Christ, what does that mean? It means rejecting the Pharisees. It means confronting the fact that they're going to kick you out of the synagogue and that you're not going to be able to hold down a job anymore. The Pharisees will make sure of that. Those who recognized Jesus rejected the Pharisees. The good sheep flee from the stranger in his voice. In fact, they do not know the voice of strangers because they're intent on the one voice of their Savior, which is to say that true Christians, true sheep, know when it is Jesus they are following and when fake gospels are put before them. Now, this may be the most despised gift that is given to Christians today, and it is most despised by those in the church, exercise discernment in distinguishing right teaching from false teaching, and you may have few friends in the church today, right? Because our ethic is, can't we all just get along? Everybody has equal say and equal authority. Exercise discernment in distinguishing between right teaching and wrong teaching, and you may have few friends in the church today. The church today despises discernment, right? In the name of tolerance or acceptance or safe places or whatever you want to call it, right? There is such a concerted effort to, to have, have unity that discernment, which always leads to disunity, Discernment is thrown into the trash heap. And there's such an idolatrous commitment to unity. And look, I mean, unity is good. But there's an idolatrous, you know, commitment to it that says we've got to set aside doctrine. We've got to set aside what Jesus said. We've got to set aside the Apostle Paul for sure or we're not going to have unity. And so you cannot exercise discernment. Didn't we learn this lesson when we were in the PCA? The PCA is unable to discipline those who are teaching that they bear no responsibility for and have no shame for their homosexual desires. They are unable to discipline those pastors who have come out as homosexual. The progressives have made an idol of safe places and the conservatives are so hoodwinked that they fear to exercise any discernment because discernment will lead to division. And discernment will lead to purification and discernment will lead to finding out who God approves. And that just isn't desirable for some reason. And the reason is, is because conservatives have been browbeaten by progressives. 
And in the process, I become fearful of exercising that discernment of making pronouncements about right and wrong that are explicitly laid down in Scripture. We're not talking about, you know, the, the right and wrong colors that you choose for your walls in your house. Ryle on this says this, there is a spiritual instinct in most true believers which, which generally enables them to distinguish between true and false teaching. When they hear unsound religious instruction, there is something in them that says, this is wrong. When they hear the t- real truth as it is in Jesus, there is something in their hearts which responds, this is right. The careless man of the world may see no difference whatever between minister and minister, sermon and sermon. The poorest sheep of Christ, as a general rule, will distinguish things that differ, though he may sometimes be unable to explain why. Let us beware of despising this spiritual instinct. Whatever a sneering world may please to say, it is one of the peculiar marks of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. As such, it is specially mentioned by John when he says, you have an unction from the Holy One and ye know all things. Let us rather pray for it daily in order that we may be kept from the influence of false shepherds to lose all power of distinguishing between bitter and sweet is one of the worst symptoms of bodily disease. To be, that's before COVID he said that. To be unable to see any difference between law and gospel, truth and error, Protestantism and popery, the doctrine of Christ and the doctrine of man is a sure proof that we are yet dead in heart and need conversion. Discernment comes with conversion. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, discernment comes. Okay, false teachers, false shepherds teach false doctrine and bad sheep follow their voices. Good shepherds teach the doctrine of the one good shepherd and good sheep follow their voices. They exercise discernment and follow doctrine even when it sits counter to the culture, right? And leads to pain, leads to difficulty, leads to persecution. Because they see their own shepherd laying down his life for them, they willingly accept the difficulties that come with following him. They do not concoct some theology that that gives them a, a comfortable place in the world. They do not concoct theology that allows them to live just like worldlings. Right? They do not concoct theology that has more of the, the chorus of the world in it than the sweet melody of Scripture. They follow the shepherd through thick and thin, through green pastures and through the valley of the shadow of death, through safe and dangerous. They follow. They follow Jesus even when they know they will be despised and rejected for it, just as Jesus was. Now at this point, Jesus has said all of this and he's looking out at the people. They're not getting it. And that's what the text says. Jesus discerns that the people are not picking up what he's laying down. Right? Verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Not getting it. And so he pivots, he adjusts. He turns to a different analogy or a different allegory, right? And 
um, to bring them because he, he wants them to understand what he is saying. And so he says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. This is the third of Jesus' seven I am statements, right? I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will come in, will go, go in and come out and find pasture. Ah, so there. The sheepfold, that place of rest and perfection, that place of salvation, must be entered through the door, and the door is Jesus Christ. I get that, right? That makes sense. The, the door is not the scribes and Pharisees. The, the door is Jesus Christ. The man born blind has come to the door even while the Pharisees are showing him the door. He's come to the, the door. And he also says this, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. All who came before me? I mean, meaning all of the prophets and all of the Old Testament writers and John the Baptist? No. Not at all. It's not what he means. He cannot mean that because all of those guys wrote about Jesus. They wrote about Jesus. He certainly is referring to any who came into the church and climb in over the fence. He's referring to teachers who claim honor for themselves instead of serving Jesus Christ. Now, that's not a problem today, is it? I mean, we have something that all of us know and refer to as celebrity Christianity. I mean, isn't it funny that we all know what that means. We all have a definition of celebrity Christianity. I think we'd have different lists. Mine might be longer than most of yours. Right? He's referring to teachers who claim honor for themselves instead of serving Jesus Christ. Teachers who claim honor for themselves Teachers who build up through their efforts their own kingdom, right? Teachers who, like the Pharisees, do it because they, they just love those respectful greetings in the marketplace. They love the book line where they get to sign copies of their latest book. They love those greetings. They eat it up, right? They, they, they um, but, but what these... Men are are thieves and robbers. And what are, they, what are they stealing? They're stealing the glory of Jesus Christ. They're stealing glory that belongs to Jesus Christ alone. They take for themselves what is rightfully only God's. Right? It is often difficult to tell. It, it is often difficult to tell the, the celebrity Christians apart from faithful shepherds. It's very difficult. Some preach Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, as the Apostle Paul puts in Philippians. But, you know, and, and so maybe that's a lot of the, the celebrity Christians. They just have bad motives, but, but at least they're still preaching Christ. That's what Paul said. You know, but, but here's the key distinction. Some don't preach Christ. 
Some of your false shepherds don't preach Christ at all, right? At least these ones with bad motives preach Christ somehow. There are many who preach themselves. All those prophets we listen to in our culture, political pundits, advertisers, social media influences, preach themselves. They preach about a world devoid of the Lord Jesus Christ. They preach of a world devoid of faith. They preach of a world devoid of God, a creator of all things. They make proselytes and leave them twice the sons of hell as themselves. That's what thieves and robbers do. They serve themselves and would never do as the good shepherd did, which was what? He laid down his life for the sheep. It's hard to lay down your life when you haven't yet got the Lamborghini. Maybe you've, after you've gotten a few scratches on it, and you would lay down your life for the sheep, but not, not until then. Luther writes, These thieves and robbers... form at all times the great majority of the world. And nothing better can be as long as they are not in Christ. In fact, the world will have such wolves preaching and indeed desires no better because it hears not Christ nor regards Christ. It is no wonder that true Christians and their pastors are so few. Which every pastor of a small church is like, yeah. But it's what Jesus taught. The path is narrow that leads to life. Calvin writes that no man may be moved by the consideration that there have been teachers in all ages who gave themselves no concern whatever about directing men to Christ. Christ explicitly states that it is no matter how many there may have been of this description or how early they began to appear, there is but one door. And all who leave it and make openings or breaches in the wall are thieves. There's one entrance. There's one door, right? And so you, dear people, should be aware of the fact that there are many, many, many shepherds out there. You are being shepherded. You are a sheep, right? We are sheep. And and those shepherds are vying for your souls, Truly vying for your souls. They have your ears. They want you to follow them for whatever purpose. They want you to follow them and want you to abandon Jesus Christ. They see you thinking about what comes next and really just want you to focus on the here and now. This life. This life. But, but when all is said and done, when, when body is dead and your soul appears before God, will any of these TikTok social media influencers who shepherded your soul be able to help you out? I mean, will they? by their actions, which were, were only done for, for their own egos and pocketbooks, will they atone for your sins? 
Will they? I mean, am I going overboard here? Am I, are you at the point now where you frequently get, which is the pastor is going berserk? But I know how much time other shepherds have and how much influence they have in your lives. It's more than me. Only the Son of God, the Good Shepherd, the door of the sheepfold, has done the work for your soul that is required to stand in the presence of God, which is the atonement for your sins. Right? All the false shepherds of the world offer you an abundant life. That's what everyone is peddling. They want you to have an abundant, joyful, perfect life. Right? They offer you joy and peace and prosperity. Perhaps they even... Uh, Perhaps they, they even, you know, help you have it in this life for a little bit. But what of the next? What of the next life which is everlasting? Will social media influencers teach you to fear God? <laughs> Will Fox News pundits show you the way of escape? All they do is stir up your fears. Right? Will, will Mark Zuckerberg and his algorithms lead you to heaven? Madison Avenue, is Madison Avenue going to shed its blood for you? No, 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 no. It will be fruitless to trust in those shepherds. They are only thieves and robbers. They are thieves and robbers. Notice in verse 8 what Jesus says of the sheep. The sheep, the true sheep of Jesus Christ, do not hear the thieves and robbers, the false sheep, the counterfeits, the deceivers. The true sheep don't hear the false sheep or false shepherds. The true sheep of Jesus Christ hear his voice and do not listen to any others. They know that the thieves and robbers have only come to do their souls violence. Right? They have come to steal and kill and destroy. It is only in Jesus Christ where the very root of the problem, that is sin and reconciliation with the Holy God, is dealt with. It is in that knowledge that there is life abundant. Oh man, not in the number of followers that you get, not in your advertisement revenues, not in the fact that so-and-so recognized my such-and-such and, such and, and it got spread and it went viral and, and you know, I... Ugh. Is that the abundant life? Oh, brother... Is that the abundant life? It is only in knowing God and His Son that there comes the peace that surpasses understanding. Every false shepherd offers peace but is unable to provide it. It is only in knowing the compassionate God who sent His Son that we truly live the abundant life. You do not have to hook your joy to new cars, right, to sports teams, right, to business successes, to increases in wealth, to recognition for accomplishments, to scientific discoveries, to vaccines, to elections, to you know, more absorbent adult diapers. You don't have to hook your hopes to those. 
I mean, I say that because, because one of the mythologies, one of the worldviews is your life will be glorious with more absorbent adult diapers. I mean, that's, that's what these advertisers do. I can't live without that. I'm not incontinent, but I'm thinking about using them. They've convinced me. I'm just a sheep. Stupid sheep. There is only satisfaction in knowing or being known by God. The door to that knowledge is the Son of God. He is the door. The door to that, 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 that glorious place within the sheepfold of God Almighty is Jesus Christ. Listen to this psalm. This is where I'll close that wraps up and ties these things together. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good besides you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. In God alone. Don't listen to the false shepherds. Okay? Please, don't listen to the false shepherds. 